to the book of Deuteronomy. Ask your neighbor where that is. That's way west. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Praise God. Hope you all have had a good week. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's look in verse 5. Okay. This is Old Testament. The things that make it okay for us to read it is even though the, uh, the language or the form of righteousness has changed, they did everything by obedience to the law, and we have it by grace. But the benefits are the same or greater. Hallelujah. So verse 5 says, uh, Thou shalt also consider it in thy heart, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Now the word chasten there, mean, it doesn't mean punish. It means to instruct, to train, to teach. Uh, it's a good thing. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Why? For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. We're talking about your wealthy place here. This is where the Bible talks. You ought to write it out there. I have it written out in mind, my wealthy place. Verse 7, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Praise God. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Let's pause for an amen right there. A land of whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord, bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest... When thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses, and we are, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, talking about business, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, talking about your accounts, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. Danger, danger. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness. Please note the word through. Wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do that which is good, to do thee good at thy latter end. Let me read 16 again. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not. Why? That he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do what is, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou shalt say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, 
that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. I tried to get that on a sticky to put in the front of your Bible. I tried. I've, I've, I got it down to microfish, and where, but it wouldn't quite fit, so I'm going to work on it because I didn't know if y'all would put two stickers in your Bible or not. So uh, he's talking about our wealthy place in there and how the covenant is immutable. He just says, if you'll just stay with me, if you'll just stay with me, if you'll just stay with me, he said, I'll give you everything that your generation, your culture, your people says is the best that there is. And he meant it. He said, the danger to all this blessing is that you'll say that you did it because I won't come down on the weekends and say, look what I gave you and look what I don't forget and send me a thank you card and all that. He said, it'll just come and you'll think that you did it because it'll be by natural means. It'll seem like it came by natural means. So uh, we see here that whenever your faith, whenever your faith has not developed to handle pressure and trials, it's called a trial. Before your faith is able to handle a pressure or a situation, it's called a trial. So sometimes we got our stuff blown over coming from the west. A squall line will come down through Louisiana, get into Mississippi, come across the state line. And before we understood how to handle that with our faith, it was called a trial and we had to deal with it. And then everybody's asking, asking, you know, why, how, how could God do this? Trials are the inexperienced or the unexperienced and the untested part of our lives. So there's still going to be trials out there because we haven't tested everything. Sometimes when you lose somebody before their time, it's not a trial that God sends. But in the world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, doesn't he? He said, in the world, you will. It's not like that we don't have troubles. It's that we live above the troubles. So uh, trials are the unexperienced and the untested parts of our life. So until you master anything, you have to face it again. Trials challenge your faith. Your Trials are the obstacle between you and mastering the promises. We are mastering the promise. Is, is the air conditioner on? It, it feels like it I turned it off. I turned it OFF. It was on heat and I turned it to OFF because it was. Okay. We're going to devise a 17-digit code. <laughs> okay. So the test or the trial of faith is, is to, to be able to handle and be able to operate the promises. So now when a squall line comes across Louisiana, we don't get all riled up and wound up because it's not a trial anymore. It's just a matter to be taken care of. It's a faith release. And we have confidence in that. Why, why do we have confidence? Because it worked. The word said it, we said, okay, and it worked. Same thing with healing, same thing with our money, same thing with relationships. Anything that's not working is a trial because we've not released or, mag, uh, or mastered faith in that area. 
And so we're all working on mastering our faith in every area. Amen. So verse 15 here. He said uh, that the Lord said, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness. He led them through the great, the large and terrible wilderness. He led them through that. I looked up Psalm 77, 19 in the Living Bible and it said your road. Remember the Red Sea, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway nobody knew was there. I tell you, that's a good scripture. I got little stars all over Psalm 77 and I just love that. Your road led by a pathway, your road. So before time or before creation or in creation or whenever he did it, he put a road in the Red Sea for his children someday to walk across and escape Pharaoh. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, if you would. You might put your finger there, you might not. Exodus 17. So Exodus is the, the book about coming out of Egypt, isn't it? They were, they were exodusing in chapter 17. Look in verse 1. It said, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. We'll call it sin. I'm sure it's not. After their journeys, according to what? The commandment of the Lord. So they journeyed from this wilderness according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in this town and there was no water for the people to drink. There was no water. Well, that's what the word says, that they didn't see any water. So it appeared there was no water. Have you ever been in a situation where it seemed there was no money? Or there seemed there was no hope? Or the situation was definitely challenging? To, to figure out how this could be. It's like there is no solution to this. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses. I don't know all that chide means, but it's not a good word here. And said, give us water that we may drink. Now they're, now they're starting to act like Moses is the one that took care of Pharaoh. And Moses is the one that got him through the Red Sea. But nobody believes that, do they? It was the Lord that did it. And he took credit for it at every turn. And Moses said to them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses. Bad move. And said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Ah. It was a dry day. But they hadn't died yet. But there was no water. No obvious water. But the Lord commanded them to be there. Now, I just we're wanting to relate this. We're not we're not doing Old Testament history here, although it's wonderful to read these things. But we're relating it to our lives that when we said, I think I'm supposed to be where I, where I am, but it's we're having a tough day and a tough week. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better. We're, it's not like there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is no end of the tunnel is what it looks like. So uh, did God know where the road was under the Red Sea? I bet he did. He's the one that banked the waters up. If you watch the movie, you know, Charlton raised his staff and, and the water went up. Everybody knows that. 
He knew where the water was here too. And he knows where your stuff is. He knows where our stuff is. But we are sense creatures. I mean, temporal, physical. And it doesn't serve us well to be that first. Uh, in, in uh, Let's see. Where am I here? You could say maybe of this verse that you could go back to verse uh, 19 in the Living Bible of Psalm 77 and say there was a pathway no one knew about. But what if you, as we read this, you'll see, what if there was a fountain here that God had put that nobody knew about? And what about our situation? What about the rents due and the, and the, you know, the water bills due or the tuitions due? Whatever, whatever we face, our bills. And there doesn't seem to be any place. But the Lord who put a pathway under the Red Sea and put a rock in the wilderness, he knew where the water was. What if he knew where your stuff was? Well, doggone, that's novel. If we can't see it, we're sure not going to believe it. But verse 2 and 3, it says they murmured and said, why hast thou, Moses? So people, what they say today is, how can a God that, how could a loving God let happen what happens? That's their main argument is, I read an article the other day that talked about all the people that had turned from organized religion. And this is everybody. This is Baptist and Catholic and the whole schmear. And there was some things in there that makes you want to go just be mad at somebody. Terrible, terrible things that men of God, women of God did. And they did them. And, you know, pastors that lived, one, said one thing at church and did other things at home, all that sort of stuff. And so people said, I'm through with it. I'm done. We, we looked last week uh, at that word uh, where it says that the, that the church had blasphemed the word of God by not being true to it, but representing it in that, in that uh, path. So uh, verse 18 of Deuteronomy, let me go back there real quick. Verse, eight, verse 15 said, Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, and drought, and there was no water. And then it says, Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. Now let's go back to Exodus and go to verse 4. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel. And thy rod therewith thou shalt smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Oreb in Oreb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall water come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So it's a miracle. It's an unexpected event. It's something that no one saw coming because water doesn't typically come out of rocks. It wasn't like I knew he was going to do that. I, it, well, I saw back that, that back in, back in 72, I saw someone do it, and I was pretty sure Moses was going to do it too. It, it had never happened before, and so there it was. So it says in Deuteronomy, in verse, let's see, uh, where am I? 
I want to be where I'm supposed to be. Uh, well, whatever verse it is, it says, in order to do you good. So what is God's aim? What is the Lord's aim in our, in our lives? No matter where we are, what is his perspective? We already know it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So we know he's not thinking a plan to, to whip us into shape. His plan is, what it says in Deuteronomy is, to do you good in the end. To do you good in the end, wherever that is. I, I lost it. What does Psalm 23 say, verse 4? Yea, though I walk through, through, not to, but through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So we're going through things. Trials are things we go through. We go to them to go through them. And I want to encourage you tonight, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It's temporary. It has a shelf life. And I, I just always look back to the Smith's testimony of, of going through that and how they just stood and just said, you say there's no way? I say it's, there is a way and it's today. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go back to the New Testament. We've laid a foundation there of some sort. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Your road led through the sea, a pathway nobody knew was there. The Lord has a pathway for each one of us. He's got a way. If you're where you're supposed to be or if you're not where you're supposed to be, he's a rescuer. Sometimes the trial comes because we're not where we're supposed to be. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. So this stuff, this stuff is not a big deal. It says in verse 13, we've read this. The, there, there hath no temptation taken you. Well, I want to know about that. But such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation, the trial, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So he talks about a trial there. So we know that Christians have trials. There, there are every area of our life where our faith is not equipped to handle the promise that takes care of the trial. Now, you still have to activate the promise, don't you? You can't just say, well, I know the promise, therefore it won't come. The squall line is over Meridian, and it is heading east at 55 miles an hour. Have you all heard that said? Well, yeah, we have. We've watched it. We, we've, we've actually watched it on, on the television and we've watched it get to Columbus, Mississippi and just do the do-si-do -si -do and just split and go. We've seen it more than once. And they'll say, golly, look at that. <laughs> uh, over and over, it's not even... So it says in the Amplified, with the temptation, he will always provide the way out. Seems like the Lord knows what's going on. Seems like he's aware of where we are and what's around us and what's happening. He will always, he will also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. 
So you can't lose with the stuff we use. It's we got it. So the only thing that could happen is if you're like a deer in the headlights and you just freeze. That's where every Christian gets in trouble. So we stay close. We, we call somebody and say, listen, bill collectors here. Or we say the doctor said this or we say whatever's going on. We say, what would what does the word say? I don't know. I don't know what this is. Why would God allow this to happen to me? And then you give them the promise and you pray with them and you stand with them. And that thing just splits and goes around them. And it was meant to destroy them, but it's over. There's always in the Bible, there's always a provision for famine. The Lord knows there's famine. He doesn't cause it, but he knows about it. Did you hear me? He doesn't cause famine or troubles, but he knows about them. This squall line that comes across, pretty regular, it seems. It's a, it's a cause. They, they, the Weather Channel will explain it to you. It'll, they'll bore you to tears and explain to you about hot air going up and cold air going left and, and uh, pressure going the west and a convection and a river. And, and they'll tell you what's going on. And it is going on because that's just how the weather is. It's like the earth rotating. It's like the sun coming up. It's already set into motion. The weather's already set into motion and it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But just because that's the default doesn't make it my default. My default is the word. So if I will stand as you, would, you and I have, stand and just say no, go around, fall apart, no straight line winds, no, no uh, uh, circular winds, no hail, you just go through your list and just see that thing breaking up and dissipating, then that's what, that's what happens. For example, I mean, we're just talking about weather here. So we see the famine around us and we see the trouble, but we determine in advance. We know it's coming, so we're not surprised. We're, we don't fall apart when trouble comes. We're not, when, when we get something that, that says this is going to happen, we don't lose it. When they say a pandemic is coming, we don't lose it. I said, we don't go off the deep end and say, what are we going to do and start, you know, we just go and find the promise because there's always provision in, a, in the time of famine. So uh, whatever you're seeing, have seen or are seeing, it's not the end. Say it with me. It's not the end. It's not the end. Um, go to 2 Corinthians, you're right there in first. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we are passing through. We're just talking about troubles tonight. And you go, well, I don't have any troubles. I'm not going to pay any attention. Well, today is not tomorrow, but tomorrow is coming. And tomorrow is going to have a, it's going to, uh, the Lord said in Matthew chapter six, he said uh, that every day has its own troubles. Sufficient is the evil thereof, he said. So if you want to live above, if you want to go through the valley of the shadow of death, if you want to get across the Red Sea, if you want the rock to bear water for you, if you want there to be manna in the morning and quail in the evening, if you want that in the time of dearth and famine and, and uh, pestilence and troubles and Philistines and Hittites and Jebusites and all the ites are, you know, are shaking their swords and their shields at you and say, we're going to come down and destroy you. You just got to know who you are. 
And you got to know that this thing that we're, how we're designed, we're designed to go through stuff. We're not designed to outrun it the other way and just always run from it. We're designed to go through it and take people with us. Do you know how many people are now speaking to storms because you speak to storms? There's some that don't even believe it. And yet you and I, we absolutely. When we were in Guernsey Lane in Hinton Place, that thing took every brick off of Winn-Dixie and the South Trust Bank, every brick. All that was left there of that, that bank was the vault. It, a slab and a vault. There was a pickup that got lifted up 60 or 70 feet. The man came out of it. He went to the ground. The pickup went to the ground. And I was a quarter mile from that is where I lived. And I've told you all the story, but I'll just tell it anyway. Stepped out the back door. Uh, Debbie was at the mall and uh, stepped out the back door. And Eric was sitting there with big eyes like, what is going on? And just spoke to it and then closed the door. And we had one little plastic white chair, those one-piece things. And it flopped it in the pool. And it, that's all that happened. But it destroyed that trailer park that was over the, just over the hill. It, Eleven people died in that thing that day. I'm not bragging, of course not. But I'm saying we ought to testify that you can't lose with the stuff we use. It, it absolutely works. So uh, in chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For to which cause we faint not. We faint not. We don't faint. We don't flitter. We don't flinch. We faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed, strengthened day by day. Why? Why, why are we strengthened day by day? He says, for our light affliction, which is the word pressure, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, we're going through it, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So we go through it because we pick up strength while we're in it. While we look not, take aim at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary. We're going through them. So we don't stop. We're not looking around saying, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? If you ever stop, then it comes in on you. You remember the story of Abram and Isaac going up the hill and going to sacrifice? The Lord said, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. And after all that was, as that was going on, Isaac said, Father, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, he's Jehovah Jireh right there, isn't he? The Lord will provide. He said, son, the Lord will provide. And suddenly there was a ram thought, caught in the thicket. How about that for handy? How about that, how about that for handy being a, a road under the Red Sea? How about that for being handy that, that the rock of Oreb was right there and he struck it, he struck it twice. You know, if he'd have struck it once, he'd gone in. The reason he struck it twice, because the word says that he, he uh, it was a type of, of striking the Lord Jesus twice, that he had to be crucified more than once. He said, I want you to strike the rock once because Jesus was enough the first time and there's nothing needed. But he struck it twice and the Lord said, well, you can't go in because of your unbelief. But anyway, uh, there was a ram in the thicket and there's always a ram in your thicket. But you got to obey. You got to follow it. And here's the key. Here's the key. And we'll, 
If you do it God's way, if you do it his way, you'll have his results. And what the complainers are saying is, I want to do it my way, but I, I want his results. Why would a loving God let that happen to me? Why, why, would he, why would a God let that happen on the earth and let this and that happen? Well, you can exempt out. You can exempt out. You can go through it. But you've got to be a friend of God. You've got to have him in your life. Uh, there's a man in the desert. Here's a story. Give you all the story. There's a man in the desert and he is he is thirsty. He's just about to, to he's almost dead. And he stumbles into a shack, a little shed that's got a, a long handled pump in it. Have y'all seen those? Those those long things. And inside there's a uh, the pump. There's a gla uh, a jar of water underneath the handle. And then there's a note and the note says this. This pump will pump cool water to satisfy your thirst only if you will follow one simple instruction. Do not drink the water in the jar. The pump leathers get dry and must be primed by pouring this life-saving water down the shaft. After you are full, fill up the jar for the next one who will come this way. Well, that makes sense. But let's analyze it. He can't see down the dark shaft to see if the leathers are dry. He sure does want to drink. You know he wants a drink. He doesn't even really know how stuff works like this, but the leathers, I looked it up and, you know, they get dry and they don't seat. They, they let water go by when they're crusty like boots. So if he obeys and it doesn't work, the note is a scam, he'll die. Is that right? If he pours the water down and then he doesn't get water out, he's going to die. Uh, if he drinks the water, it's not enough water to get him somewhere else very far. He'll have to find a new source right away. So even drinking the water is not the end of it. But uh, if, if he does what the word says, the note says, he pours the water down, the pump works, then he will fill up his canteen and he will live. It's not much different than the way life is for us. He's got to believe. And we have to believe. So if he believes he has the means to take the pump, take the water and pour it down the pump, but, uh, and not only nourish himself, but the next person that comes along have to have that jar. Somebody left him a jar full of water in order to, to live. So if he, so the man, theoretically, just a story, if he pours the water down there and he's just pumping like a locomotive, he's just pumping and pumping and pumping, nothing's happening. And he's just pumping and pumping and working that handle and nothing is, and so he's like, there's no help here. I've been done under. Does that remind you of anything? Maybe where we believed and it didn't happen by the afternoon or by three o'clock or something like that. So uh, yet he continues. He says, this will work. This will work. This will work. So right before he faints, he hears a new sound. The sound of water whooshing up. And of course, he fills his jar, drinks to his content, fills his canteen and then fills up the water for the next person that's coming along. 
there's a lot of applications to that. Uh, I titled this, uh, What You're Looking For is Already Here. You don't need a miracle. We're not against them. We're for them. But what we need to do is believe that the promises are true. So in Malachi, well, what are we doing in Malachi 3.10? Bringing all the tithe in the storehouse. That there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. I will not pour you out a blessing that you'll not be able to easily per receive it. Or another version says until it overflows. So really what we're doing is tithing. How many of y'all know that first time you tithe, it doesn't necessarily mean that you got a raise and you got a new car by the weekend. You got to keep pumping. And you got to keep believing. You got to stay in like this stuff works. I could have drank the water. I could have eaten my seed that I tithed. I could have eaten that and I'd have gone a ways, but it wouldn't have lasted. And then I, I wouldn't have anything to prime the pump. I wouldn't have anything to, to bring to God. I would have eaten all of it. So we just keep, we just keep bringing it. And it keeps working. I'm telling you, it just keeps working. And once the water starts whooshing up, then the leathers are saturated and they work and they, they, they fit inside the, the pipe and they'll work and work and work until they're left for a long time. So we just keep pumping. But you can't really see what's going on down that shaft. I like that song that we sing, even when I don't see it, you're working. Absolutely. What are you doing? I'm working it. I'm a believer. There's a, there's a road under this Red Sea. There's water in this rock. There's a ram in the thicket. There's quail coming in this evening. There'll be man in the morning. Whatever you need, that's what'll be there. It's a good day to be a believer. It feels like life has just somebody hit the flush knob and everything's going down. It just seems that way to me. And yet, it doesn't affect us at all. It's the only hope you have in your soul. It's very hopeless out there right now with what's going on politically, what's going on in America. You know, the, 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 the factions that are working in our schools, in our government. You know, that people put up an American flag in their HOA, just rails on them to take it out. You know, I don't... You know, just, just things that you can't believe. I go back to... Sometimes I go back to Genesis and look in Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, you go... It was really bad back then. If you read it graphically, you'll say, that, oh, there's no difference between that and today. Then you listen to Joe Morris talk about all that's going on in the whole world that you and I would never see. Deborah has found a channel, uh, I-24. It's, it's out of Israel. Yeah, it's Middle Eastern. And they tell you stuff that's, that you don't even hear here. Yeah, and you, you, you figure out what's going on. You can get too much information. If you get the wrong information, you'll start fearing and you'll start saying, oh, my word. Um, if you, if you, so we don't. 
We just concentrate on this. So uh, I wrote down, you cannot see all this working in your behalf, but heaven is working in our behalf. I just think about that road that he laid down before the Red Sea was even, nobody even knew it was there, and there it was. Sometimes we think, maybe we think, we don't think about it, that God just somehow made, made the road when he did it. Like he said, you know, here they are. I didn't know where they'd end up, but here they are right here on the edge of this place of the Red Sea. Wonder how I can get them across. And I could probably, or maybe he knew about it all along from the foundation of the world. That's very encouraging to know that if he did it for them, it'll never fail for us. I just love this. I love to preach on there's always a way to win. Thinking big in small places, that's what I like to talk about, is how good he is. Just how good he is and how good he is to me. Oh, he's so good. Lord, we thank you. You are so good to me. We've got a lifetime of, of testimonies where you have been good, 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 where you just, you mastered it. You aced it. You went over the top for me. Lord, I just am amazed when I hear my own stuff and when I hear the saints. Oh God, you're so faithful. So thank you, Lord, for helping us. Thank you, Lord. You said you lay help on him who is mighty. We ask you for more help for the rest of this year. We're just about at the first quarter's about gone. We ask you to lay help on us, and we're going to see it. We, we're we're going to know what to do when help comes. And help's coming because there's more to do than we've been able to do. Help's coming. We're trained. We're, we're excited in our, in our uh, what does it say? We're... Uh, we're experienced. And Lord, we know some things that are happening. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. And thank you, Lord, for letting us help the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo-hoo! So we're not afraid.